0: So let open with a word of prayer, and we'll dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. As we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Oh, Lord, please give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. I pray, Lord, it wouldn't be my words, but thy word. Lord, I pray for everyone who's here tonight, those that are watching on live stream or watch this later or hear it on the radio, may you minister to their hearts. Uh, Go before us now, we pray, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So as we know, Chronicles is a retelling or a reminder of the history of the children of Israel when they were in Jerusalem, before they went into 70 years of bondage in Babylon. Now as they're returning back to to Israel, uh, this letter was written for those people, who many of which had never been in Jerusalem before. And 1 and Chronicles really focuses on King David. And 2 Chronicles, we'll be starting here in a couple weeks, focuses on King Solomon. So as we come to the end of chapter 28, or we come to the end of 1 Chronicles in chapter 28, David is at the very end of his life. And what we're going to see tonight is that he is going, he's been running this race for 40 years. He has uh, been the king. And for a short time, as we're coming to this part, Solomon has kind of been serving alongside him as he's preparing Solomon, who more than likely is a teenager. So he's preparing his teenage son to take over as king. We know after David dies that one of his brothers will try to usurp his authority. Before David dies, a different one of his brothers will try to do it. But have you ever thought about what you would want to pass on to your children? if you knew you only had a short time on this planet. That's what David's doing in tonight's text, and next week's as well. David is coming to the end of his life, and he's going to speak into those who are in leadership positions in Israel, and he's also going to speak into his son's life. We're going to see some things that he already did back in chapter 22, but have you ever thought about that? And I've actually been in the room with people when they've done that. I've been been a pastor 34 years, so... You get to be there during the, the glorious times of babies being born and weddings and people getting saved and baptisms. And you're also there in difficult times when people are dealing with illness or divorce or they have children, wayward children or when people uh, graduate to heaven. And so I've been there before and I've seen just the desperation. And I've never heard anybody ever talk about making more money. I've never heard anybody talk about uh, the things of this world or things they wish they had done while they were here. It's always about two things if they're a believer. It's always about the Lord and about wanting their children to know the Lord. I'll never forget one when uh, a man, he had a couple of kids who were not walking with the Lord and he was coming close to the end and he took both of his boys' hands and he looked him in the eye and here's all he said, be there. I'm like, what do you mean, dad, be there? He goes, heaven, be there. I'm like, well, he said, look, I'm gonna close my, I don't know when it's gonna be, but it's coming soon and I want you to be there. I want you to spend eternity with me in heaven. I want you to be there. And you know what? We preached the gospel at, at his funeral. I don't know if those boys ever got saved or not. But see, that's the heart of a dad, right? It's the heart of a mom that if you've just got a little bit of time left and you've got these people that are the most precious people in the world to you, what would you say to them? You wouldn't say, hey, man, I hope you get that, I hope you get that Ferrari one day or you know that stuff that we think is, I hope you get a bigger house. I hope you get that promotion at work. None of that stuff matters. And that's King David's whole focus here is it's all about building the temple God being worshiped and the desire that the next generation would love Jesus even more or love Almighty God. It wasn't Jesus yet, but love Almighty God even more than he did. And that's my prayer. I know it's a prayer for every Christian parent. There's nothing I'd love more than to see my kids more on fire for God than I am. Loving Jesus more even more than I do. Amen. So this is where we are in tonight's text. King David again, is going to be speaking into their lives. This is going to be his final public appearance. He's going to gather all the leaders we've been talking about. If you've been here for the last several chapters, the musicians and you know the, the gatekeepers and everybody else, and he's going to gather them all together. And when he gathers them together, he's going to speak into their lives knowing this is probably the last time that I will ever speak to them. cars are worshiping too, amen? It is interesting that David doesn't talk about the Philistines or the Amorites or the Moabites, all the Enes and the Ites, right? He doesn't talk about gold or silver or the power or position or, you know, seven secrets to a dominating kingdom, right? He doesn't talk about any of that kind of stuff. You know what he does? He's going to talk about the temple. He's going to talk about worshiping God. He's going to talk about obeying his commandments. That's the message he's going to leave. The closer we get to heaven, the more we realize that nothing else matters. You know what? The things that we think are important—it's interesting. One of my last texts with my son Mark before he went to heaven is he had he had bought a a brand new truck for a newer truck for his business. His other truck had lasted about six years, and he bought a newer truck, spent a lot of money on it. He literally had it four days, and the engine blew. And he was pretty disappointed. And my text to him was, well, son, I know you're disappointed. That's, that's rough. He just spent a lot of money. He just bought a new truck. It lasted four days. That's, that's a bummer. I said, but son, it won't matter in heaven. And his response to me was, dad, that's exactly what I was thinking. And about three weeks later, he was in heaven. And so the reality is, I don't think Mark's in heaven worried about that truck. Amen? And the reality is, the things that we think are so important sometimes, the things that we're ready to die on that hill. That's one of the things I say to my coworkers all the time. Is that the hill you want to die on? Because the reality is, there's only, you know, Jesus died on the hill, so I don't have to die on any. Can I get an amen to that? I'm going to be born, I'm going to heaven. I have the promise of eternal life. All David wants is to know that the people of Israel will worship the Lord and continue to grow in him after he is gone. So he has gathered all the leaders of Israel, and he's going to charge them, and most specifically Solomon, and he's going to exhort him. So grab your outline if you've got it. I tell the message, be strong and do it. Ten or twice in the text. One time he says, be strong and of good courage and do it. The other time he just says, be strong and do it. Guys, faith without works is dead. Amen. And God has called us to not just be the dead sea, right? All inlet, no outlet. That's why nothing in the dead sea lives. And God saved us to use us for his kingdom and for his glory. So be strong and do it. And point number one, speaking into the lives of those called to carry the torch after you are gone. Part of us being faithful is preparing the next generation. Now, my hope is There are no next generations because we will be raptured and not be here. Amen. But we should live every day like he's coming tomorrow, but also live every day like he might not come back for a hundred years. Amen. We need to be prepared for both. We want to raise up that next generation and and have them be ready when we're gone. But we also want to live every day like he could come back tomorrow. As your life is drawing to an end, the only thing that will matter will be loving and worshiping the Lord and pointing others to him. Point number two, focusing on that which will outlast this life. Having an eternal focus, encouraging others to use the gifts God has given them for his glory. You'll find the place where you belong and flourish in it. God has a calling on your life. He wants to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. And we need to focus on that which will outlast this life. I used to catch a lot of heat when I was a youth pastor because I would tell parents, they would show up and say, yeah, well, we're not going to be at church for the next six months because my son's hockey is starting. And I would get that all the time. And my kids are athletes. I was an athlete when I was young. And, but we didn't, we didn't miss church. Guys, God is more important than soccer. Can I get an into to that? God is more important than NASCAR. Amen. God is more important than anything else that will distract us. God's more important than your job. Amen. Do your job as unto the Lord, but you do not want your job to become a false idol. Amen. Want to be the best that you know, the best worker in the building. But we need to focus on that which will outlast this life. Again, when we stand before Almighty God, no one will care how much was in our four hundred one k. Not quite as much lately. Amen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anybody in here's got a retirement account? Like, oh yeah, man. Biden. Right? <laughs> we're all just, we're all little. Yeah. How's that working out? Holding less to this world because there's less of it for us to hold on to. Amen. But you know, the reality is that it won't matter how much of our 401k, how much we can bench press, how smart we were, how much we accumulated, how big our house was, all this stuff that just occupies so much of our time. And some of it, again, you know, in moderation is, is what we should do. But what really matters is what have you done with God's son? Amen. Where are you at with Jesus Christ? Then the third point there on on number two is keep and seek all the commandments of the Lord. Do you know that when you walk with the Lord, that even if you are faced persecution, even if you're ridiculed for it, do you know that it's a joyous life when you're walking with Jesus? Amen? And when you're walking in the center of his will or seeking to with your whole heart, But the Bible also says the way of the transgressor is hard. God wrote it down for us so that we can avoid the pitfalls of this life when we're outside of his will. Amen? He loves us enough because he knows what's best for us. Point number three, serve the Lord with your whole heart. The Lord wants us to do much more, so much more than your outward actions. He wants your heart. The Bible tells us that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that thing that you invest your time and your talent and your treasures into, that really reflects what your priority and passion is in life. And that's why it's so important that he wants us to give him our hearts. We need to surrender everything to him. True success is a right relationship with the Lord. We should pursue him with our whole heart. By the way, my wife's Tahoe, the engine blew up yesterday. And she, came, and she was not real happy, and, and I got the bill, and I'm, I'm not real happy either. <laughs> but it's all going to burn, and it won't matter in heaven, amen? It just won't. You know, she was a little, oh, man, man, you know, this car, and I said, that's what happens to stuff, it breaks, amen? The good news is, when we get to heaven, nothing breaks. Amen. Ever thought about that? Everybody's, gonna, everybody's out of a job in heaven. You're out of a job. We're not fixing cars. We don't need police anymore. We don't need locksmiths, doors are wide. Open. We don't need any of that, amen? We're not gonna be hanging out with the king of kings, man, it just doesn't get any better. I'm ready, let's go, amen? But until we get there, let's be busy about his work. Point number four, do everything you can to help others to be successful in their walks with the Lord. You know, speak into their lives. Who are you discipling? Who are you discipling right now and who's discipling you? Who are you? Whose life are you speaking into? Who do you take out to lunch and talk about the Lord? Who are you ministering to in the men's or women's study? Who do you have relationships with that you're, again, pouring your life into. I'm so thankful that by God's grace, I've always had, and I still do to this day, I saw five or six pastors who are older than me that I have a great amount of respect for, who I call for counsel and instruction and wisdom when I need it. And they always pick up the phone. And then I'm thankful for the opportunity to do the same for some younger than I am in the faith. And so that should be the heart of every believer. There needs to be somebody you can turn to that can minister to you, but you also need to be ministering to others. I tell people all the time, when you need to go from just being a ministry to a minister, amen? That's when you're growing the most. See, the the greatest amount of growth, I'm not trying to always bring this up, but the greatest amount of growth through my son going to heaven that my wife and I have had is ministering to other people who've gone through the same thing since then. There's one couple uh, their, their son went to God speak, Matt Winterstrom. We, we love them. And even though we are just we mainly talk on text and stuff, we're ministering to them. They minister to us. We've gone through the same thing together. We all need, look, we need to go beyond just being someone who is always being fed. And we need to be somebody who, praise God for being fed, but we need to be ministering to somebody else. Amen? And then lastly, be strong and do it. That's what he's going to say in the text. Hey, don't just read about it. Don't just know about it. Go out and do something with it. Amen? We open the book, we read it, we study it, and we obey it, and now we need to go and impact a lost and a dying world that desperately needs Jesus. Guys, the world, in a sense, is going to hell in a handbasket, and the reason that it is is because the world has gotten so far away from the God who created them, and you and I are the salt and light that needs to make a stand in the midst of the darkness to proclaim the truth of the gospel to a lost and a dying world and do it unashamed. Amen? That's what God has called us to do. So, let's begin there on be strong and do it. I'm going to have to pay a royalty to Nike, I think. Be strong and do it. Just do it, right? Point number one, speaking into the lives of those called to carry the torch after you are gone. Verse 28, now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel. The officers of the tribes, the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over the thousands, the captains over the hundreds, the stewards over all the substance and the possessions of the king and of his sons with the officials, the valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. So basically he's calling together all the leaders in Israel. Each of the tribal groups had leaders. And those over the thousands, and those over the hundreds, and those over even smaller numbers. Notice here he talks about the valiant men and the men of value. David's mighty men are there. So he's got the the military leaders. We just saw the list in the last several weeks of the musicians and the gatekeepers. And so he's calling them all together. And the reason that, that he does is he knows his time is short. And this is going to be his last public proclamation before he goes to heaven. And so he's calling them all together because he knows he's about to leave and he wants to speak into their lives so that after he is gone, that they will continue to grow in the Lord, continue to grow in their their faith in Almighty God, that they will complete the building of the temple and he wants to kind of give them some instruction as he leaves. So that's his heart, is that the next generation would be ready that they would be prepared, that they they wouldn't just give up once King David left. If you will remember, King David was the one who wanted to build the temple and God wouldn't allow it. So he did every... We're going to see in the next few verses. He did everything he could to have his son ready to do what he could not. And sometimes we're not called to do it, but the generation behind us is. And so we want to do everything we can to have that generation prepared so that if the Lord takes us to heaven that they will be able to continue and hopefully do even better. In some ways, and I, I feel that way about the assistant pastors here. You know, Tim and I are a little on the older side and the rest of them are younger, right? And so my heart is, I want them to be prepared, and they are, but to continue to prepare them so if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, the church just keeps going, and I, my prayer would be that it would go to places it's never been, and it would be even better than it's ever been, and I'll be in heaven, and I won't think about you till you get there. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> but the reality is, people say, well, aren't you, um, no, I, I, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be, I want things to continue to grow in everything that we touch, amen? So that's David's heart. He gathers them all together. He's going to charge them with much of what he's already charged Solomon with back in chapter 22. He's got them all together. Repeating these charges and concerns shows us that David's heart, where it is during his last days on the earth, and his passion is to build the temple and to make the worship of the Lord and the, the priority in Israel He wants to make sure that they understand, we're going to rebuild the temple. We're going to build the temple according to God's divine plan that he gave us from heaven. We want to be faithful to do that after I'm gone. And we want to make sure that Israel keeps its eyes on Almighty God and doesn't lose sight of him. Does that happen, by the way? Uh, No. Solomon. Solomon is a total enigma. Solomon asked for wisdom, and the Bible says he was the wisest man who ever lived, which proves that we're all idiots. Can I get an amen to that? If that dude's the wisest, we're in trouble because Solomon, while he had a heart for God, he had had a major, major stumbling block. What was it? Lust. Women. He had a thousand women. A thousand women. You've got to be kidding me. I bet he tried to marry people more than once. I want to marry her. She's been your wife for five years. He's got so many women. <laughs> he's got so many women. How would he even know all their names? But you know what happened? He began, they, they began bringing their idols with him from foreign lands, and Solomon became an idol worshiper. And he brought the idols into Israel. And God, that's why, that's why they're in Babylon to begin with. Amen they just spent 70 years in Babylon and it was this guy's fault. But he's speaking into his life and the hope is that they will follow it. Now we can't force our kids to follow the Lord. We can't force the generation behind us to follow God. And I think every older generation always thinks the generation behind them is kind of lame, right? But the reality is we're all, we were the younger generation and I'm, think, I'm excited about the young people in this church. Can I get an amen to that? we got young people that love Jesus, they're following the Lord, and I'm so thankful for it. So here's David's passion. And so the first thing we see is focusing on that which will outlast this life. Uh, The second thing is, excuse me, so he's speaking, he brings everybody in, he's got them all together, he's got, you know, days or weeks left to live, this is the last time he's going to speak, And then number two, focusing on that which will outlast his life. Look at verse two. Then King David rose to his feet and said, hear me, my brethren and my people. Now, I don't want to just skip by this. David at this point is very ill. And David, no doubt, is very weak. So when David calls this crowd together, and he no doubt is either seated on a throne or he may have been lying down, and now he rises to his feet. And there's not a doubt in my mind it wasn't something that was easy. He struggled to stand. And when he stood, that crowd, no doubt, a hush went over them, as here is their, the, the mighty warrior King David, who's now coming to the end of his life. I can see his mighty men of valor who were willing to die for him. And I could just hear them, you know, their hearts kind of breaking, because here's, here's our mighty king, and he's become frail, and his life's coming to an end. And as he stands to his feet, he's going to take the strength he has left, and he's going to speak to this crowd, these leaders amongst his people. Again, the leaders of the tribe, the military leaders, the servants of the king, his mighty men, and the crowd comes to attention, awaiting to hear David's words. He says, I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and had made preparations to build it. So he gets up He's speaking for the last time, and he doesn't say, here's the battle plan the next time we fight the Philistines. He doesn't say, hey, let's raise up an even bigger military, and I've got plans for how we can train them. He doesn't say, this is a better way for us to convert our gold into more money, and this is what will make us more rich. That's not what he talks about. What does he talk about? He talks about, I had on my heart to build a temple for the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant could permanently be, where the footstool, the foot of our Lord would rest. See, when they were wandering in the wilderness, the presence of God was above the Ark. Remember the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud? And now the same is true here, that the presence of God was there. And so what did they want? He wanted to put the presence of God in a place that that was deserving of him in the best way possible. And he wanted to take the... The, the plans that were given to him by Almighty God. And now he's gathered together everything that's needed to build it. We'll see that in a moment. And he's got it all ready, and the Lord tells him he can't. And we'll see why here in a moment. Notice it says the footstool of God. This is the mercy seat where God dwelt. And the mercy seat, again, was in, was, God is often spoken of of dwelling between the cherubim. So the mercy seat is on the Ark of the Covenant, there's two cherubim that are built on the top. They're angels with their wings touching. And they believe the presence of God dwelt uh, on top of the mercy seat. And again, above the mercy, between the angels. The cherubim were also called a chariot, where they believed, again, spoke of how God would move about quickly amongst his people. And so Psalm 99:1 says, The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. So it's in the Bible talking about that. And he says, look, this is a picture of Almighty God. They couldn't have understood it was a picture of the resurrection as well. Again, where the the bloodstained cloth would be between the two angels when they came into the tomb. So all of it was pointing to the Lord and his heart was, and notice he says, I want it to be a house of rest, a house of rest. Instead of, again, uh, he wanted to give him a permanent place, and the temple was a house of rest as it so clearly signified how we can all enter into the rest of almighty God. See everything in the tabernacle pointed to Jesus. The bronze, you know, the bronze altar had four points on it. The the, and the you know the sacrifices were slain and again they were tied in four places. Jesus had blood in his head, his feet and his hands. Uh, again, the, the altar was built in such a way that a, a grown man could lay down on it. It wasn't where men were sacrificed, but where animals were. After they would take the blood from the altar, they would go to the bronze laver. and That's like a, a big wash basin, and it was made of gold and bronze, excuse me. And you could see a reflection in it. So you'd see yourself covered in blood, and you would be cleansed of the blood. Then you would go out of, the, of that outer court. The inner court, excuse me, and you go into the holy place. And when you got into the holy place, on the left side, you had the golden lampstand. And again, that was to light. the the holy place. Now, we know that, again, the altar is a picture of the cross. The bronze laver, a picture of baptism being cleansed of your sin through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The golden lampstand, Jesus is the light of the world. On the right-hand side was a table of show bread, and they would bake this bread, and they would replace it daily, and it would feed the priest. But it was also a picture of the fact that Jesus is the bread of life. Amen? And then beyond that, Right in front of the Holy of Holies was the altar of incense. Now, the altar of incense, the priest would go in and make sure that incense was burning 24 hours a day. And it would go over the uh, veil that went into the Holy of Holies, and it would pour in 24 hours a day. And it's a picture of Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, who makes intercession for us daily. Amen? And so it was a picture of those prayers being sent up. And then behind that was a veil, and only the high priest, and only on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, could enter into the holy of holies. And he would only, could only come in carrying the blood of a lamb. See, he could only approach without the blood that was to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. And so again, what's The the mercy seat. It was the covering. It covered the ark. Inside the ark was a jar of manna. Again, he's the bread of life. It was Aaron's rod. Aaron was the, the high priest. He's the great high priest. And the ten commandments. He is the word, and he's the fulfillment of the law. Amen. And the only if you look directly into the law without the mercy seat covering it, you're found guilty, and you're going to hell without Jesus. Amen. But that's why he covers it with his mercy seat. And on top of the mercy seat, as we mentioned, we had two cherubim, their wings touched. And so when they would go on that that day, they would sprinkle the blood. And what's amazing is, again, when Jesus died on the cross, they went into the tomb. And what did they see? An angel at the foot, an angel at the head, the blood clean, staying closed in the middle. See, it's always, always, always been about Jesus, even thousands of years before he came. Amen. That's the Bible, and it rocks. And so he's saying, look, I want to build a footstool. I want to build this ark. I want to build this temple that's worthy of our, of our God, our Savior, our King. And that was his heart. It says there in verse 3, it says, But God said to me, you shall not build a house for not my name, because you've been a man of war and have shed blood. Now, does this mean that David can't do it because he disobeyed God? What do you think the answer is? Yeah. Not at all. Was he not called by God to go out and destroy the enemies of Israel? What's the answer? It's absolutely true. But God did not want the temple to be made by a man of war. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. Amen? Because peace can only come through Jesus Christ... And he did not want it to be built on war but to be built on peace because Jesus came to bring us peace, to bring us into his presence. Now, we know that when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to be on a white horse and he's going to bring some war with him, amen? And he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years on the earth and we'll see what the world will be like. Can you imagine what California with Jesus on the throne? Thank you, Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? It's coming, amen? People say that to me all the time, we'll never have a good leader. Yeah, we will. Millennial kingdom, baby. Come on, let's go. (laughs) It's going to be good. I can't wait. I'd like to serve in that that government. How about you? But he's saying, look, I'm not allowed. And sometimes we can get frustrated when we have a heart to do something, but God hasn't called us to do it, or God hasn't given us the gifting to do it. And sometimes when that happens, we get disappointed and we just want to, I'm going to take my ball and go home if I can't do what I want. And instead, David doesn't do that. David says, look, if I can't build it, I'm going to get everything ready because God told him that his son would build it. So I'm going to get, I'm going to gather all the gold and all that we're going to see this, all the gold and all the silver and everything that needs to be done. I'm going to have the plans laid out. He's going to, he's going to have the Ikea box unpacked with all the, with all the tools ready. Just start ratcheting that baby. It's all ready. There's the, there's the, he's got all the plans ready and he's going to say, and and now he's going to tell them, and by the way, when I'm gone, I want you to build that, build that temple. Don't lose sight of it. That's a priority. Make sure we keep worshiping Almighty God. We don't lose sight of Him. These are the last words of David. That's his entire focus. is their worship and their heart for God. For those of us who aren't in the calling that we would like, be faithful where you are. Amen? Whatever God has you doing, do it as unto the Lord. If you're on the setup team or if you're on the whatever you're called to do, Serving the children's ministry, those are high callings. Do you know every calling is a high calling, no matter what it is? Amen. And we should do everything as unto the Lord. And again, David's not disqualified because of sin. Again, he was a man of war. He had shed blood, but the Lord had commanded him to do it. He was the one that had, you know, he had the ministry of killing Philistines, starting with Goliath. Amen. But God decided he did not want a man to build his temple, it would be built by a man of peace man by the name of Solomon. There's an issue there. This is an issue of fact that God has certain things he wants you to do and certain things he doesn't. By the way, when you do what God calls you to do, it will be fruitful. If you do what you want to do, contrary to what God wants you to do, it will be fruitless. Amen. If God is with you in it, it will be fruitful. If God is with you in it, the job will get done. If God is with you and if you're walking with him, you know what? You can be thrown in a fiery furnace and not burn. Amen? You're indestructible till God's through with you. If God is for us, who can be against us? I don't want to try to do anything in my own strength or my own will. I want to walk in the center of God's will. Amen? And so if God is calling you to do something, again, it will turn from a have to to a get to. It's a joyful thing. It's a blessing to do what God has called you to do and know you're doing that. Certain people are better suited for certain things, and David was not suited to build the temple, because God said so. Amen? Notice it says there in verse 4. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he was pleased to make me king over Israel. So he said, look, I'm not going to get to build a temple, but I was called to be king. And it's my line that will be king. Is called to be king forever. Now, we're going to see later on that there's a condition for that to take place. But we do know this. David's of the tribe of Judah. Who's the lion of the tribe of Judah? Who's that? That's Jesus. So it's through David's line that Jesus will come. And so the ultimate king of kings will come through his line, but there's going to be interruptions in his line because of disobedience and starting with the disobedience of Solomon. Because of Solomon's disobedience, they're going to get drug away. It's going to start with him and it's just going to keep getting worse. And as it gets worse, if you're here with us through First and Second Kings, it just got worse and worse and worse. And finally, they just get taken away. God says, that's it, you're done. And they're taken away captive. And so he says, look, this is what I was called to do. Verse five, and all my sons... For the Lord Lord has given me many sons. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now, God chose Solomon. And again, we see through Scripture that the Bible does not hide the frailties of its heroes. Amen? And we see people that God chooses... And God gifts supernaturally, and we see some that are successful, but we see many that fail. Amen? This is all the more reason that we know there is such a thing as free will. Amen? Some of your Calvinist friends will disagree with you. We're brothers in Christ. We're going to go to heaven together, and they'll find out they were wrong, but when we get there, but the reality is that just because God has a calling on your life doesn't mean that you're going to be faithful to it. And sadly, often, it doesn't mean that. I told you I recently taught at a pastor's conference. They assigned me Samson. Here's a guy that, God's, that, that Jesus showed up hundreds of years before he came to earth and told his parents that you're going to have a son. And we want you to have the Nazarite vow. And, and he's going to be the deliverer and judges over all of Israel. The place was in darkness. And God's going to use him to be the light. And what is his problem? The same one as Solomon. What is his weakness? It's women. It's all your fault, ladies. No, it's women. <laughs> it's not. I'm totally. I'm totally kidding. Men are the problem. But here's. So here's. So here he is. And so the point I'm making is, he had everything going for him. He was anointed before his birth. He was called by God. The Spirit of God was upon him, and he still chose to rebel. And that's a warning for all of us. Take heed, lest ye fall. Amen. Nobody's beyond falling. And if you think you are beyond falling, you've got a pride issue and need to humble yourself. Amen? So the reason is we need to stay humble, broken, and desperate, and usable for the kingdom of God. And so here's Solomon. He said, this is the guy God has chosen. David had a lot of sons. Could have chosen a different son. He chose Solomon. Again, Solomon, when he becomes king, is a teenager. He's going to have to grow into this. He's going to have some early years of success. And then after a while, he's going to become complacent. And sadly, women are going to turn him. His desire to be with pagan women are going to turn him away from the Lord. Verse 5, now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my court. So God spoke to David and said, it is your son who will build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Doesn't get any better than having almighty God as your father after your father goes to heaven. Amen. Yeah. So that's my, my father's in heaven. I still have my heavenly father. Amen. And so God had his heart, hand on Solomon. He's going to bless him with wisdom. Uh, Solomon wrote much of the Proverbs. He wrote Ecclesiastes. He wrote the Song of Solomon. And then he had a thousand wives help me out here. But at the same time, in some ways, doesn't that sound like our life sometimes where, you know, there's areas of our life where we're walking with the Lord and there might be some areas where we struggle. Amen. And praise God for his love and grace and his infinite mercy. Notice he says here at the end of verse five, again, back in verse five, where he says the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now he said to me, it's going to be your younger son. You know, God chose Solomon and God, God chose you for whatever he's called you to do. And I'm going to share with you a personal thing that I struggle with when I have people say it to me and I know they mean it well, but I cringe every time I hear it. They'll say things like, how's your ministry going? How is your church doing? It's not my ministry and it's not my church. It's his. Amen. Amen. I'm praying blessings on your ministry. I don't have a ministry. It's his ministry. I just get to be a part of it. Amen? This is God's church. It is his ministry. To him alone be all the glory. You know what I mean? And other people will say, well, I, visit, I go to your church. Well, then it's our church, and it's his church. It's not my church. Amen? And there's a mentality sometimes. Uh, this guy that's so reckless on YouTube, this guy that's screaming at people and talking about, I'm the anointed one in here, and if you don't, bow, you're like, oh, man, Lord, Help. That's the things that make me angry. When somebody who's supposed to be representing the Lord misrepresents him. Amen? And so Solomon is used by God because God chose him. David was used by God because God anointed him. And both of them had failures. Amen? And God has chosen uh, chosen us, and as he's chosen us, and as he uses us, we can fail miserably if we take our eyes off of him for even a moment. Amen? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Seek him above all else. And again... Solomon had two great blessings. He's going to be the king of Israel, and he's going to build the temple. It's even referred to as whose temple? What's it called? They call it Solomon's Temple. Your dad brought all the stuff, dude. Your dad did all the work. You, You just threw a bunch of guys at it, they finished it, and then you messed up royally, and they call it your temple. He's getting credit for stuff he didn't even do. But he gets to be the one that oversees it. And then he says this here in verse 7. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. Now notice there's a word here, okay? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Underline it. I will establish your kingdom forever. What's the next word? If. Yes. If. If. If he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. He's saying, look. I will bless him forever, and it's the line behind him will rule and reign forever if he will keep my commandments, if he will follow my word, if he will obey me, if he will continue to walk with me. Does, does Solomon end up doing that? What's the answer? No. Guys, and the same is true. There are promises in the Bible that begin with if. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their, come and heal their land. Amen? But there's an if. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be what? But it's if. So there is a response on our part. And we get mad at God because we're sitting back doing nothing, and we wonder why we don't see fruit. Well, you know what? The, Lord's not gonna, the Lord wants to use us. And there are promises in his word where it's, if we will, then he will. If, then. Verse 8. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God. Now, remember, David is standing there in his frailty. He's giving his last speech. And these are the words that are coming out of his mouth. So first it was, build the temple. Solomon has been called by God to take my place. They're still going to try to change that. And then he says, keep God's commandments. If you will, God will bless it and keep his commandments. And I love the word that he uses here. He uses two words there in verse eight. He says, and in the hearing of our Lord, be careful to seek out all the commandments. Here's what he's saying. You need to study to show yourself approved. Open up the Torah, read, find out what the Word of God says. Seek out. Here's the reality Ignorance is not bliss. Amen? That's a mentality people use. Ignorance is bliss. If I just don't know anything about it, I'll be happy in the midst of it. Well, guess what? Ignorance is not bliss on Judgment Day. Amen? Because God is God, whether you know it or not, and Jesus is the only way, whether you believe it or not, whether you've heard it or not. Now, it's our job to make sure everybody hears it, amen? Got to tell it to the whole world. But in the midst of this, here's the situation, is there's this exhortation and encouragement to seek out the word of God, to seek out the commandments of God. You know what, it's funny, you know, I'll be super transparent. So my work right now is insanity. I'm doing four people's jobs. We have one guy that had a heart attack. We have another woman who broke her ankle and had surgery. And then somebody retired. So I'm doing all of their accounts, plus all of my accounts, and then pastoring a church. And my phone rings off the hook all day, which is totally fine. And I love it. And the reality is, last week, I didn't have as much time in the Word as I usually like to have. Because I was literally going 15 hours a day. And so what happened is, I noticed in just a few days, I had t- a little bit of time in the Word, but not like I like to have. And you know what? I watched how it impacted my walk. And when we seek after the Word of God, when you open up and spend time in the presence of Almighty God, doesn't it change your perspective on everything? What's the answer? Doesn't it bring joy to your heart? Doesn't it give you an eternal perspective yet again? Doesn't it remind you again? See, that's why we need to be in the word every day. You are to desire the word of God more than our necessary food. And I know you're eating more than once a week. Can I get an amen to that? We're to desire the word of God more than our necessary food. We open this as much as we open our fridge. we would be spiritual giants and a lot thinner. Amen. And so we need to read the book, right? He's saying, look, seek out the word. It's what he's saying there in verse 8. He says, seek out the commandments of the Lord your God that you may possess the good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. If you obey God's word, I will bless you and I will bless your land and I will bless your children that come after you. Because if you obey the word of God, you'll raise up your child in the way that he should go. If you obey the word of God, you will honor him with the laws and the way that you live in your land, amen? And so if we honored God, God will bless us and if we dishonored God, It's going to be a mess. What happened to this nation that was founded on biblical principles? The Bible says in the last days they'll call good evil and evil good. If we had gone back to even when I was in high school and if they'd come into our class and said, by the way, in about about, uh, 40 years, people aren't going to know what a woman is or what a man is. There's going to be people that don't believe they're either one. There's people now that are Furbies that identify as cats and they have to put, they have to put uh, litter boxes in their classroom. I'm not kidding. We're living on the moon. Here's what happens when you get away from the Lord, amen? This is absolute insanity. And then if you don't say that it's okay, you're a bigot because you're standing for the t- God made them male and female, game over, that's it. God created marriage between man and woman. God said it, that settles it, that's it. And guess what? Everything else, it's mental illness, it's sinful, it's wicked. We need to pray for those people. If they come to church here, we'll love on them in Jesus' name. But if you give your life to Jesus Christ, you won't walk in that nonsense anymore. Can I get an amen to that? So here's that exhortation in the text that, look, if we will obey God, he will bless us. If, we're, if our land will honor the Lord, he will bless our land. If we dishonor the Lord, we're living it right now. It's tragic. Good news is, I've read the end of the book, God wins. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us in the last days, right, men will go, man, the evil is just abounding around us. So point number two there, be strong and do it. Point number one, speak into the lives of those who are called to carry the torch after we are gone. Point number two, focusing on that which will outlast this life. Point number three, serve the Lord with your whole heart. Look at verse nine and 10. As for you, my son Solomon, so he's talking to the whole group. So he's got all those mighty men there and all the leaders there and the military people there and all the leaders of the different tribes of Israel, and they're all there. And then as he's talking to the group, he stops and goes, and as for you, Solomon, points him out and speaks to him in front of everyone. My kids used to hate that. When I was a chaplain, I was always a chaplain at every school they went to. And I would go do chapel, because they went to Christian school their whole lives. And, and when they were in high school, uh, most specifically with my daughter, uh, a lot of times they'd have me come and they'd say, can you speak on sex, love, and dating? No problem, I've got a Bible chapter for that, we can do that. And we would get up and I would open up the Bible, and I'd say before we get started, hey baby girl, stand up. And she would stand up, I'd go, this is my baby girl, this is Ashley Johnston right here, that's my daughter. And back then, this is before I was in the hospital, I was a pretty swole guy, and i said, you know, I continue to lift weights, So, I can knock anybody out in Jesus' name that gets within 15 feet of her. I am protecting her for the man that God has for her, and I will crush you in Jesus' name. And I'm not kidding. And I would look at all the guys, and every guy at her school was scared to death of me. My daughter would say, They're all scared to death of you. Yay, God. So, you know what? Fear God and fear Dad. Can I get an amen to that? But the point is, that's what he does to Solomon. And you, Solomon, the whole crowd's there. Solomon's a teenager, right? Hey, you, Solomon. This is what he says to Solomon. As for you, my son, Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Boy, that's a heavy exhortation to your teenage son. Amen? Amen. Some of us need to go home and read that to our teenagers. Amen? Look what he says to him again. He says, look, if you will honor God, if you you seek seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off for how long? Forever. See, he's making sure that the motives of, of, of Solomon are sure. He says, look, Solomon, the first thing you need to do and the last thing that you need to do and the thing you need to do every minute in between is seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Pursue the Lord. Be passionate about the Lord. Have a heart for the Lord. When we wake up in the morning, pursue the Lord, seek the Lord, be passionate about the Lord, be unashamed of the Lord, walk with the Lord, seek the Lord, be hungry for his word, be, be passionate about the things of God, be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, when you wake up, that's who you should be. Solomon, you're going to be the king. He's going he's to use you mightily if you will faithfully walk with him and obey him. But the truth is that God will use you mightily if you will faithfully walk with him and obey him. Amen? You may not be king, but God will use you. he's exhorting his son. But Solomon, if you walk away from him... Guys, we can't fool God. You know, God knows if you're a poser. God knows if you just play church. Again, you're here on Thursday night, so that's probably not you. But God knows... you know, Posers don't come on Thursday nights. But God, but God, God knows your heart, and God knows your real motives, and God knows if you're just playing church. God knows if, you know, if you you know, put on the Christian face and go home and have no real relationship outside of the hour and a half you're here, uh, you know, on Thursdays and Sundays. He knows what's really in your heart. And guys, we can't fool God. He looks past anything, any facade that we may have, and he sees who we really are. God doesn't want the outward stuff. He wants your heart. Amen? Because the heart is deceitful. Only God can truly understand it, and we can't even understand ourselves sometimes. Again, sometimes our motives are confused They're for the wrong reason how do you understand your heart for two things real quick prayer it says in psalm 139 search my heart O god and know my heart and try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting amen amen and amen examine my heart secondly the word read it if you're wrong you'll be convicted if you're not you'll be blessed amen Look, every time I read the Bible, I'm convicted, but I'm also encouraged. Amen? The Bible will encourage you, it will strengthen you, it will challenge you, it will convict you, and often it will rebuke you. Amen? And it's God's way of drawing us back into right relationship with Him. Notice what it says there at the end of verse 9 as we continue on. Verse 10, it says, consider now For the Lord has chosen you to build the house for for the sanctuary. Then he says what? What does it say? And what? So God's chosen you to do it. Be strong and do it. I like that. Amen? God's chosen you to do it. Be strong and do it. God has chosen you to be the one, Solomon. You're the one that's going to build a temple. Be strong and do it. God has chosen us. Let's be strong and do it. Amen? Our strength comes from the Lord. And if we will walk His strength, we should be faithful to do what he's called us to do. We should not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. Maybe not sit on the sidelines waiting for someone else to do it when God has called you to do it. You pick it up a bit. verse Point number four there. Do everything you can to help others to be successful in their walks with the Lord. Look at verse 11. It says there, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans of, For the vestibule, vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of the treasuries of the house of God, of the treasuries for the dedicated things, also for the division of the priests and the Levites, all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the articles of service in the house of the Lord. So he writes it down for him. He gives it to him and says, here's the plans that were given to me. It says, by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit showed him. Here it is. I've written it all down. All you need to do is take what God has given you. It's been written down for you and go do that. Now that sounds great. Wouldn't it be great if God did that for us? He did. Can I get an amen to that? See, they wrote it down and said, here's your plan, Solomon. Here's how you build the vestibule. Here's how you build the inner and outer court. Here's where you build where the Levites go. Here's how you build this. Here's where you put the mercy. And he lays it all out for him and he hands him the instructions. But now he needs to go do it. God lays it all out for us. He spoke to David by the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. He wrote it all down for us and he gave it to us. And if we don't do it, that's not God's fault. That's our fault. Amen? Amen. He wrote it down, he gave us the Holy Spirit that we could understand it, and now it's up to us to do it. So he gave him the plans for the inner court and the outer court in all parts of the uh, temple. Then he says in verse 14, he gave gold by weight for things Every, yeah, we're, we're thirteen. But he gave gold by weight for things of gold, for articles used in every kind of service. Also silver, for all the articles of silver were by weight. All the articles were used every kind of service. The weight of the lampstands of the gold, and for the lamps of gold by... Uh, the Now that's the golden lampstand that goes in the holy, uh, holy place. For each lampstand and its lamps, for the lampstands of silver by weight, for the lampstands and its lamps, according to the use of each lampstand, and by the weight... He gave gold for the tables of showbread for each table and silver for the tables of silver. Also pure gold for the forks and the pure gold forks, forks and basins, pitchers of pure gold and golden bowls. He gave gold by the weight for every bowl and gold for silver And for the silver bowl, silver by weight for every bowl and refined gold by weight for the altar of incense and for the construction of the chariot, that is. And that is the gold cherubim, that's the angels on the Ark of the Covenant. And spread their wings and overshadow the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So here's what happens. God gives them everything they need to do what God has called them to do. God gives everything to Solomon that he needs and he's going to give him wisdom on top of that and says, what I have called you to do, I'm going to equip you to do, and I'm going to give everything you need to do it. And I believe the same is true today, that when God calls us to do something, he will equip us to do it. Amen? I don't believe God calls the equipped, he equips the called. You don't say, oh, that guy's a natural, really gifted speaker. He should be a pastor. You no, know, usually God takes someone who isn't and gifts them when they're called. Amen? And so here's what happens is that he's saying, look, we, you have everything for everything that needs to be built. You've got the instructions written down. You've got all the materials. We see another text. You've got all the craftsmen. It's all ready. It's all prepared. Now you just need to get involved. The same is true in the body of Christ. God has called us. God has gifted us. Um, God's given you burdens for things. There's things that aren't happening in this church because the people that are called to do it aren't doing it. There's several more ministries I'd love to see us have that we don't have. We don't have a married couples fellowship. I'd love to have that. There's other things I'd love to do. I'd love to have a singles group. There's all kinds of stuff I'd love to do. But again, we need people that are called by God to step up to do it because we're not going to just do something until we have somebody called to do it to oversee it. Amen? Because if we do it in our own strength, it's going to be a mess. And so it gets all the, everything you need It's here. Everything we need. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Amen? That's all we need. All we need is His instruction and the empowering of His Holy Spirit, and God can use us to do great and awesome things. We serve a holy, a righteous, and a just God. Look at verse 19. He says there, All this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing, by the hand upon me, all the works of these plans. God wrote it down for David so that David would understand. God wrote it down for us so that we might understand. Amen? He wrote it down for us, and he gives us the Holy Spirit that we might understand it. Again, I don't know where these studies come from and how accurate they are, but they say less than 1% of all Christians have ever led anybody to the Lord. And that's tragically, and that's scary and tragic to me. Now, again, we don't, we don't save anybody, but we can be tools in the hands of the master. And it's not our argument that wins them, but we should be equipped to, be, to have the discussion. Amen. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that that person is convicted and they come to know Christ. But do you know that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one he can show himself strong on account of, one whose heart is loyal to him? God's looking for men and women. who will say... Use me. Pray for divine appointments. I had one in my driveway. I shared it on Sunday. Mike, Mike, who was here and we ordained on Sunday, his, he, there was a fence in the middle of the freeway that came out from under another car and racked up his rental car. He got a, brought a guy over to buff out the scratches before he returned the rental car. And we started talking to the guy about the Lord. And I said to him, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? Well, I hope so. Well, that's not the right answer. Let me tell you how you can know so. And 10 minutes later, the guy's given his life to Jesus Christ. Now, it's not because there's anything good in us. It's just we're available. Amen. It's also that less than 10% of all Christians have read cover to cover the Bible. This is the basic instructions before leaving earth, right? B-I-B-L-E, this is it right here. And yet people don't read it. And they struggle. I don't know why my walks, I don't know I have a very good walk. You know, I, I don't understand why I'm going through Do you pray? Well, no, I really, I just don't have time to pray. How's your, how's your time in the Word? Oh, I, well, I don't really know. I know it's really spent. Time. Who are you hanging out with? A bunch of unbelievers. I can't figure out why. They're, you're not in prayer, you're not in the Word, you're not in fellowship with believers. Gee, I wonder why your life's a mess. You become like who you hang out with. Amen? If you're hanging out with the Lord, you're going to become more like Him. It's interesting. We don't have time to go through it, but I just love the correlation between everything again in the in the uh, temple and Jesus. Such a great picture. But notice that it was built based on God's design, and it tells us that it's a picture of something that we will see in heaven. And so, when we get to heaven, we're going to see something. And again, we won't need the temple in heaven because. There's no more sacrifice. It's been paid in full, but God may have it there just as a reminder to us. Again, it's a pattern of heaven. We show, and again, it's the pattern of heaven itself, not necessarily a building. And we need to live radical Christian lives, totally all out for Jesus. May we follow God's plan for our lives. How do we find it? We find it in prayer. We find it in time in the Word. Sometimes the Lord will use others to speak into our life, but most of the time I get my instruction by the conviction and moving of the Holy Spirit in my own life. Amen? I have a friend who's not, he's a, well, actually my younger brother. And he says, you know, you Calvary guys, you act like God talks to you. I said, he does. And he's a Calvinist, so, you know, and their God doesn't talk. But here's the reality is that the word of God is the final court of authority. But that being said, well, you Calvary guys, you know, God, so God told you, because he wants me to come to Hawaii and pastor that church. You, if you come here, everything will be the same anyway. The same people get saved anyway. It doesn't make any difference. And even if that's true, the bottom line is that if God has a calling on your life to do something, you want to be where God wants you to be doing what God wants you to be doing. Can I get an amen to that? And if, if it's all going to turn out the same anyway, now it's an excuse to do nothing. Amen. Well, because of predestination. If people are going to get saved, we're going to get saved. The people aren't going to get saved, aren't going to get saved. We have nothing to do with it. We don't have to do anything. Let's just go lay on the beach and eat pizza and do nothing until the Lord comes back. That's not what God's called us to do. Amen? That's the enemy at work. Last point. Be strong and do it. Look at verse 20. I love this. One of my favorite verses in the Bible right here. It's like saying one of my favorite kids. I've got lots of them. But here's what it says. And David said to his son Solomon. Look what he says to him. So the Lord made me understand the writing. He understood it. He wrote it down. Then he said, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord, the Lord God, my God will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear. Fear is an enemy of faith. Fear, anxiety, and worry. We all struggle with it from time to time. Can I get an amen to that? We have fearful moments. We have anxious moments, right? We have, we have moments that we worry, okay? But those are all the opposite of faith because we're fearful because we forget who's in charge. We worry because we forget who's, that God is in control, amen? We get anxious because we take our eyes off of the Lord. If God is in charge, what do we have to be afraid of? And they can't threaten us with heaven, right? God's not giving us a spirit of fear. It comes from the enemy. And so he's, he's encouraging his son. Hey, son, he's talking to him in front of the crowd. Son, look, be of good cheer. God, be of good courage. Be faithful. Do it. Do what God's called you to do. Don't be afraid, son. You don't need to be afraid. Don't be dismayed, son, for the Lord's your God. My God, he's going to be with you. He's never going to leave you, son. He'll never forsake you until you've finished all the work and the service in the house of the Lord. The Lord's going to be with you as you serve him. That's when ministry is fruitful is when you are walking with the Lord and doing ministry for him and with him. Amen. If we do it alone, it's fruitless without him. We can do what? And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. And I love how he talks to his son. This is a great message for us to sit down and tell our kids. This is a wonderful verse. Amen. If it's not underlined in your Bible, get your pen out. You should underline it. He will never leave you. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know that in the midst of the worst trial of life, he will never leave you nor forsake you? It's the anniversary of when Tyndale was burned at the stake for putting the Bible in English. Praise God for that man, amen? Now, God did it, but God used that man. And do you know he was quoting the word of God when they set him on fire? Why? Because, again, you can't threaten me with heaven, amen? When you know the Lord and praise God for people who will take a stand when nobody else will. Be strong. Let me read that verse one more time. David said to his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. What God has commanded you to do, build the temple. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Don't be afraid. For the Lord God, my God, will be with you. That means you don't do this alone. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He'll never walk away from you. He'll always be with you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Isn't it good as we're serving the Lord to know that as we serve Him, He serves with us. He walks alongside us. We can't do it without Him. That's why serving God is such a blessing. Because when we're serving Him... He's alongside us. He is with us. And then it says, as we close, here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the servants of the house of God and every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of workmanship, for every kind of service. Also, the leaders and all the people who will be completely at your command. He's talking to him, And here's what I imagine him doing. David is in his frailty. He's talking to his son. He gives him this command and he says, and here's all the people. Look around, son. See all these other leaders that are here? They're all with you. They're all going to be with you. They're all The Levites are over here. The mighty men of valor are over here. All these other people are here. And you're not going to go through this alone. They're going to serve alongside you. They're going to be under your command. And you're going to be able to use them. And guys, as believers, we need people around us to encourage us. Amen? We need fellowship and look around the room. These are all people that will come alongside you if you're hurting. If you're going through a difficult time, you will not walk through this alone. We serve a faithful God, amen? So in closing, be strong and do it. Speak into the lives of those called to carry the torch after you are gone. let's Let's give it away to the next generation. Focus on that which will outlast this life, the eternal things. Encourage others to use the gifts God has given them for his glory. Find a place where God has called you and flourish. Keep and seek all the commandments of the Lord. Spend time in his word and obey it. Open it, read it, obey it. Serve the Lord with your whole heart. He wants more than your outward actions. He wants your heart. True success is a right relationship with the Lord. Number four, do everything you can to help others to be successful in their, walk with, in, in their walks with the Lord. Speak into their lives. Help give them all the tools they need to grow. Disciple them, and then be strong and do it. True belief is reflected in behavior. Faith without works is dead, and we don't want to be the Dead Sea. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. You are a great and an awesome God. We ask, Lord, that you would move mightily among us, Lord, I pray there would be less of us and more of you. I pray you'd stir up the gifts you've given us that they might be used for your kingdom and for your glory. May we not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Less of us, more of you. Lord, show us the gifts you've given us. Help us to hunger and thirst for your word. Help us to seek your word and your commands and then follow them faithfully. Help us, Lord, if we've wandered away from you. We think that it's a million you can take a million steps away. It's only one step back. Help us to turn back to you. Lord, be glorified in our lives. We pray for the Canao Valley, Lord. Bring revival here and start in our hearts first. We pray for everyone who's here tonight, all their unsaved family and friends. Give us divine appointments to share with them the hope that lies within us. Lord, we pray for the other churches in this area that we would be unashamed of the gospel. We pray for our city, our state, our nation. Lord, we ask. Even though, Lord, we know that in the last days the world will go more and more evil. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would bring revival. Lord, that people would come to know you. We pray that our president would get saved. We pray that others that are in positions of authority that are so far away from you, that you would do what is necessary to bring them to their knees. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you and to praise you in the midst of the storm, to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen.